0: Well, there's this remarkable prayer we're talking about found in the, in the Old Testament. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor David Pepper brought a word from this prayer of Jabez about how the kingdom of God is always advancing. And we're going to look at it again today. And then next week, uh, Josh is going to close it up with some leftovers. He's going to turn into a great, awesome casserole dish for us. And it's going to be great. <clears throat> But we find this prayer inserted unexpectedly in a genealogical record found in First Chronicles, kind of this obscure prayer in an obscure place. And it was written down by Ezra after the Jewish people had just returned from uh, back to Israel after 70 long years of captivity spent in Babylon. And Ezra was writing these words in order to give his people hope in a dark time of their history because genealogies had a purpose. They were written in the Bible to remind the Jewish people that there's a story of God's glory that is being written through their line, through their lineage, that through them the Messiah would come to our world. And so this genealogy... Was reminding them that God had not given up, just like we finished singing that His promises will come true. And after these um, ten, you remember the uh, nation of Israel had been divided, and the ten northern tribes of the northern kingdom had been completely destroyed and, and wiped out by the Assyrians. And then after the two southern tribes, the tribes of Judah had been scattered throughout all of Egypt and Babylon and Persia. This genealogy was written in order to carry an important message to them that God had not forgotten them, that the blessing he had promised through Abraham was still going to be passed on through their line. And so unexpectedly in this genealogy we find a prayer. A prayer was inserted as if to show us that something significant shifted maybe when this man named Jabez prayed this prayer. So here's the prayer. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. In other words, something stood out about him. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, O oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. And keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God granted him his request. So, this prayer is a, is a big request that's infused with lots of optimism. <clears throat> it's like Jabez woke up one day and he, he was saying, What if I knew that I was going to get to live tomorrow? What if I knew that my life could count for something for the Lord? What if my life purpose was to reclaim space, reclaim the inheritance that had been lost for God? So he prayed this very practical prayer that asked God to use him in God's plan to open up more space for the Lord, for his grace to work in this world. And so this prayer kind of shows us three decisions that Jabez made to live on mission for God. The first decision he made was to call on God to do something miraculous. Notice it says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. And so in that prayer, Jabez made a decision. He made a decision to not complain about the circumstances, He decided to pray about the circumstances. He cried out to the God of Israel, and he opened up his heart to trust God for something miraculous, for divine intervention. And so here's a man who evaluated the situation, what was going on, and instead of giving up, instead of being completely demoralized and saying the situation is hopeless, He made the decision to call on God, to ask God to intervene, to do something miraculous. And that's why it's very significant that we find this prayer inserted in this long genealogy. Because this was a very dark time in Israel's history, and here's a man who gets it right. That God has not forgotten them. And he can appeal to this covenant making God who keeps his covenant with his people forever and ever. So he called upon the God of Israel. And that's significant because I'm going to be sharing some thoughts this morning that's going to come across and sound like, Oh, you just got to do more for Jesus. It's, it's like uh, it can come across like um, almost like legalism, right? It just in order to be right with God, in order for God to be pleased with you, God to be happy with you, got to do more for Jesus. And that's not where this lesson starts. It starts with God's initiative. It starts with who God is. Jabez called out. He appealed to the God of Israel. The God of Israel was that that means god is the one who initiated the relationship with israel he's the one that called them to set them apart to be his people in his world that had a plan and a purpose for them. So everything that Jabez prays and everything that I'm going to say this morning, I want you to understand that it's a call of response to what God has done for us first. Our entire Christian life is to be lived out that way as a response to the initiative of God's grace, as a response of, like Jonathan said, of worship and love and affection for who God is is and what he's done for us first. So it's important to recognize that decision that Jabez made. He leaned into the God who is a God of all grace and love, who has initiated this relationship with his people. And so this prayer was a decision because of who God is to get involved in something because he believed in God. Is was decision that, hey, my life can make a difference because God has said something. God has made some promises. God has a plan that he's not completed yet. So let's get involved and let's be part of the solution of the plan that God has for our world. And so it caused Jabez to want to be a contributor and not a consumer. He wanted to create space for God to work in his life, to change the course of history, to as it were to that his life could become a landing strip for the Holy Spirit to begin to work in miraculous ways. So when Jabez prayed, he was appealing to God's covenantal promise, the God of Israel, that he would keep his promise, that he would be faithful in his day, and he expected God to do something miraculous. And there's a second decision that Jabez made. He decided that it was time to reclaim space for God. He said, "'Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory.'" This prayer is remarkable because of its boldness. Uh, He's asking God to change the course of history, to reverse what had been happening. He wants his life to align with God's story, to reclaim the kingdoms of this world that had been lost and restore them back to God's glory. Jabez was living at a time in history when Israel had been crushed, humiliated, defeated. It looked like this promise of salvation that God had started through Abraham, that through your line he promised that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And then it was passed on to his son Isaac, then to his son Jacob, and then on through David, that now that promise was completely wiped out. It appeared that way anyway. God's chosen people had failed, certainly failed in their mission to show their neighbors the goodness of God, to be a blessing to their neighbors and to spread His glory around the world. They had allowed themselves to live and chase after the worldly idols of the, of the neighboring nations. They had become dominated by these foreign peoples. They, their promised land had been taken from them. Their inheritance had been stolen. Foreigners now possessed their land. But along comes this man named Jabez, who says, wait a minute. And he calls to the God of Israel, and he says, this shouldn't be happening Not on my watch. I'm I'm going to trust God, the God of Israel, for a miracle. This land belongs to the God of Israel. This is where he wants to display his glory. Instead of decrease, I'm going to ask the Lord for increase. Instead of losing ground and losing land, I'm going to ask God to gain ground, to restore land back to Israel. Instead of being a nation that is crushed, I'm going to ask God to restore his blessing as he's promised. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, he said. And so Jabez wanted his life to be a part of God's story, that to contribute to the writing of the story of God's glory. He wanted to live on mission for God. So when Jabez asked God to enlarge his territory, he's asking God to fulfill the promise, do you see, that he had given to Abraham to bless all the peoples of the earth. And he's asking for a wider extension of God's loving kindness, just like he had promised to Abraham. And so Jabez's prayer is an amazing prayer because it's revealing three things, some really good theology that I hope that all of us can grasp and apply to our lives. First of all, Jabez understood God's mission, that God's mission As it says in in the Latin term, is his missio Dei, uh, the mission of God, is to redeem and expand his reign over all the earth. That's what God is up to. That's his plan. That's the promise that's going to be ultimately fulfilled that he gave to Abraham. And Jabez knew that, and he knew that he, Jabez, had been created to join God on that mission. And he wanted to be a part of what God was doing to redeem his glory and reclaim his glory on planet Earth. So Jabez prays, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. It's like he was saying, I'm showing up, God. I'm showing up for duty. I'm putting my life on the line. I want my life to count for you. I'm refusing to let the enemy win. I'm finished with us losing land and losing ground and it being taken over by the enemy. When we were flying back from Texas a couple weeks ago, Frankie was reading a a Kindle book on the plane. It was written by Mark Batterson. It was titled Whisper. How to Hear the Voice of God. And I was reading it over her shoulder, and a story that she was reading caught my eye, and I want to share it with you. Batterson tells a story about a guy named Brandon Hatmaker who was traveling to Ethiopia with his friend Steve Fitch, who was the founder of a ministry called Eden Projects. And Eden Projects is a reforestation ministry which is a vision to plant over a 100 million trees around the world. Deforestation has devastated parts of the world, especially parts of Ethiopia, where generation after generation has stripped the forest bare and has left the land barren. So that's just... One example, by the way, of the kind of pain that our world suffers due to sin, that paradise has been lost. But here's a ministry that has a vision to restore the world back to Eden. And so Batterson writes this, he says that, Brandon was having second thoughts about his trip to Ethiopia. He had this fear of flying. He was missing his family. And he wondered, what difference is this ever going to make? And so he's feeling bad even then about his attitude that he has. And he closes his eyes, and he, and he offers a prayer as he sits down in the seat in the plane. And he says, God, I'm sorry. I'm trying here, but I just don't get it. I don't want to be on this plane. I feel like I'm wasting my time, I'm wasting my money. If this is important to you, would you please overcome my ignorance and doubt and blindness? Will you connect the dots and show me what I'm missing? Amen. And he said no sooner had he finished praying that prayer than this man sitting beside him, an Ethiopian man, uh, asked why he was going to Ethiopia and he thought of, you know, a lot of things that maybe he could say, try to make it look impressive. I'm going to do some community development or something, but he was a little embarrassed to say, I'm going to plant trees. But for some reason, he just simply blurted it out. He says, I'm going to plant trees. And when the elderly woman sitting on the other side of the Ethiopian man um, heard him say something, she asked the Ethiopian man in, in her language, M. Herrick a question, and uh, he responded back to her in in Amharic, in that language, and and she immediately began to wail, literally began to wail out loud on the airplane. In fact, she even stood up and began waving her hands in the air like something really significant had just happened that had just been said. And so Brandon says, what's going on here? And the guy says, well, my mother asked me, why are you going to Ethiopia? And Brandon says, well, what did you tell her? (laughs) And he said, I told her that you were going to plant trees. And Brandon says, well, what's she saying? Why is that so important to her? And that's when Brandon's seatmate, the Ethiopian man, revealed that his mother had been praying for 38 years that God would forgive her people for stripping their land, and that she had been praying all these years that God would send somebody to their land to plant trees. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And before Brandon knew what was happening, this woman was laying her hands on his head and praying over him through tears of joy. I mean, just a simple thing, but can I remind you of something don't ever underestimate the significance of God's purpose for your life. You may say, oh, I'm just planting trees. But even if he wants you to plant trees in Ethiopia, it's part of his plan to reclaim space on this earth, to return this earth back to his glory. He's all about making a new creation. He's bringing a new creation to our World, and your life can contribute to writing this story of God's glory. You were created to reclaim the space around you with the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose. That's why you're here. And if you understand the message of the Bible, it will shape within you this worldview of hope. Uh, It will make you distinctly different in your outlook on the circumstances around you. It will instill within you this spirit of goodwill and good news which is, the the word gospel means the good news of what Jesus is capable of doing in redeeming dark situations. It will make you a positive influence. You will understand your purpose that you you exist in this world to open up spaces for God's grace to redeem the world from its state of sin and brokenness. And that brings us to the third part of Jabez's prayer where he says, <clears throat> let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I can be free from pain. So that here's a a third decision that Jabez made to live on mission for God. Jabez made the decision to be set free from pain. Now, even though these words are not written in the same kind of evangelical salvation language that we're used to hearing, they are clearly describing a need. Here is a man who's confessing his need for personal Salvation. He needs saved from something. Jabez didn't know about being born again. Jesus hadn't come yet. He hadn't preached a sermon yet to Nicodemus where he talked about you must be born again. He hadn't heard, Jabez had never even heard Billy Graham preach. <laughs> but he knew that he needed something. He needed God to do something in his life. He needed God's transforming grace. And he was believing God to work some kind of change with him, to set him free from pain that he was living with. And he prayed for this divine intervention to reverse this curse of sin. He says, let your hand be with me. Oh God, lay your hand on me. Intervene in my life with your grace and your power and keep me from harm so that I can be set free from pain. Now when Jabez speaks of pain, He's describing in his own language, his own way of putting it, the effects of sin in our world. Sin brings pain to our world. Wherever sin is, it produces some form of pain and brokenness. And pain is simply a description of what sin has done in our world. It divides, it separates, it ruins, it kills. Jabez is believing God for healing from that, healing from the virus of sin. And he's pressing into God for something better than this world of pain. And he's refusing to accept pain as normal, as God's plan. He refuses to stay stuck in this sinful condition. He refuses to accept it as the status quo, as the norm. And he wants to take a higher road. He wants his life to be a positive influence on others. And so Jabez makes room in his heart for God's grace to heal him from the pain of sin. Isn't that beautiful? And this brings to my mind that great hymn that we sing at Christmas by Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts wrote this hymn, Joy to the World, not intending it originally to be a Christmas carol, but we've turned it into a Christmas carol, and and that's fine. It's very legitimate to sing at Christmas, but it could be sung uh, all through the year. But I love this hymn of Isaac Watts, The Joy to the World, because it declares creation's joy... When the Lord comes to reign on the earth, and we know Jesus is coming through two stages, his first coming and his second coming, his first advent and his second advent. But the, the, the song says this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Or let's give space in our hearts for the Lord. And heaven and nature sing. And he calls us to make space for Jesus in our life. Then I love verse 3 because it announces what Jesus is coming to do with the pain of sin in our world. He says, No more let sins and sorrows grow. Nor thorns infest the ground. That takes us back to Genesis, right? In the fall and, and what, what 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 we have on earth because of sin. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. How much? How far? As far as the curse is found. That's far. That's deep. That's why, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. See? <laughs> <clears throat> Do your prayers, like Jabez, reflect this hope of the gospel? That God's capable of doing something more than what it looks like you know others around us are trusting him for? Do we come to God like Jabez with this audacity of faith to ask him to reverse the curse of sin, to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found? I want to share two things that have deeply influenced my life, and I do that uh, intentionally here this Sunday in which I'm... uh, I wasn't inducted. What, what, What just happened this morning? Huh? I was installed, like uh, software was installed. (laughs) Anyway, at the beginning of our ministry here, I I want to share two things that have impacted me so you know me, plus, I think can become a foundation for how we trust Jesus for the days ahead. And and, uh, they come from the journal of John Wesley. How many of you have heard of this old guy, John Wesley? He was one of the great churchmen of church history in, in England. And uh, I read his journal many years ago, and I ran across these two entries that I want to share with you. They're, just, they're profound. They show you what made him the kind of man that God could use in his generation. Which means, like Jabez, maybe this is how what God wants to shape in us for our generation. So this first journal entry, John Wesley says that he entered into a town for the first time. You know, he's pushing the gospel into the, the new frontiers of the British Isles. And he enters into this town and he writes in his journal that within 15 minutes of time... I observed such a massive amount of sin as I've never seen before within a half an acre of ground. <laughs> That's an interesting way of describing something, right? I've never seen so much, like like as if he's quantifying sin. And he described, I think, if I remember right, what what he had observed. and But he said, I've never seen within 15 minutes of time uh, such massive amount of sin at, within a half an acre of ground. So if you, just stop there, if you or I entered a situation like that and observed something, what would we do? What would our response be um, as the people of God, as people who believe in the God who's made a promise and has a vision for our world? John Wesley said, after making that observation, he didn't turn his back and leave and say, no, I'm going to go to a place that maybe looks a little more open for the gospel. He said, this place is ripe for the gospel. <laughs> that that's affected my life, that little statement. This place is ripe for the gospel because Wesley had a big vision of the sufficiency of God's grace, that it goes as far as the curse is found, that there's no effect of sin, no curse of sin that is outside of the precinct or the boundaries of the reach of God's favor and God's grace. Amen? And if we really believe that, how do we apply that to our world and is what we look at and what we even say and how we talk about it? John Wesley's a great example of a person who impacted his generation because he opened up space for God's grace. He didn't close down. He opened it up. Said, so, "Oh God, as we sang this morning, Lord, you can do it again. You can do it again." That's like Habakkuk's prayer. He says Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 3:1, "Lord, Lord, I've heard about your fame." <laughs> I've heard about what you've done. I've heard about great days of revival. I've heard about these days where you move and you broke in and you set people free. Lord, do it again. In our day, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy for us, Lord, Habakkuk prayed. And that was Wesley and that was Jabez. They were believing God, that God has sufficient saving grace to reach into every fallen space of this world. The second entry in Wesley's journal I read is he's telling the story about one day he was walking over a bridge. I think it was a bridge into Bristol. And he says, as he walked over this bridge, he said, Out from under this bridge comes this giant of a man. He called him a highwayman, which I guess in those days meant it was like a homeless man or a tramp. And and he and he, this highwayman he said, He demanded my purse or my life. I handed him my purse, Wesley said. And as he ran away, I called out to him and he said, My good man, if ever you want to be set free from that kind of a life, remember that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, delivers from all sin. <laughs> think about that. I don't know if Wesley was concealed carrying. <laughs> you know, but think about his response, what he didn't do and what he did do. He called out and gave him the hope of the gospel. He wasn't self-protecting of his purse. He was thinking of the man's soul, how he could be set free from that. And he said, years later, Wesley wrote in his journal, he said, years later, I was, I was in this town preaching, and after the service, a giant of a man took a hold of him. He says, do you remember who I am? He said, no, I don't. He says, I was that highwayman who demanded your purse or your life. And as he said, as I ran away, I heard you calling after me and saying, my good man, if ever you want to be broken free from that kind of life, remember that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And he says, those words haunted me until I surrendered my life and gave it to Jesus Christ. And today, I'm a Methodist minister preaching the gospel. (laughs) Isn't that great? Here's a man who believed that Jesus Christ came to our world. To do something, and he hasn't forgotten about it, he's not finished with it. His promise still lives today, and he intends to make his blessings flow as far, as far, as far as the curse is found. Amen. How are we going to apply that to our life? I love what Jonathan said after the first service. He says, It's the Lord put on his heart a prayer for his brother, his brother, as far. Let's let's reclaim space that the enemy has stolen, amen? Tyson, bring your team up. I want to just close with this question. I want to ask you, why did God like Jabez's prayer? It says that, and God granted him his request. Well, it must be that if he granted the request, he liked the prayer, don't you think? And I think he liked it because it actually expresses God's heart, God's plan of salvation for our world. That Jabez knew that God wanted to write the story of his glory over every generation, over every space and part and place of this world and the prayer of Jabez i think is even anticipating a future reality when Jesus Christ is coming to reclaim his space over planet earth could it be that god liked jabez's prayer because it expressed a prophetic hope of the coming reign of Jesus Christ a vision of every space on earth becoming God's dwelling place here yes believe it or not that is where we're heading and you and i are a part of that let me share some scriptures revelation 11:15 says then the seventh angel blew his trumpet <laughs> Something significant here. And there was loud voices in heaven saying, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Handles Messiah in case you don't know him. <clears throat> Revelation 21.4 says, and when he comes, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying nor pain, nor pain any anymore for the former things have passed away. Amen. And he's invited you to help him write that story. I don't understand the theology of that completely or the eschatology of the end times, you know, of whether we we bring it in, we make it happen, but we're invited into it. We're invited into it. And that's where he's headed. And I believe in my simple little heart and mind that he is going to keep his promise. Maybe Jabez didn't know how huge his request was was to God, but it was prophetic, I believe, in the sense that it was anticipating the day when Jesus would come to reclaim what was rightfully his, when the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I read this in Job this week. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand on the earth. Everything on God's agenda is moving forward to this great vision to make every space on earth His dwelling place. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And the book of Ezekiel ends with the final phrase of the book speaks of God's dwelling place on earth and describes that place as Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. (laughs) The Lord is there. So every time you ask God for an increase of his kingdom, every time you refuse to accept pain and sin as God's plan, you are building Christ's kingdom on earth. You are working towards a future reality where all